0: Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And good morning and welcome to another edition of Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional, Mike Miller, your host once again for today. Glad you're with us. For those who have not joined us before in the past, either on live radio here at 94.5, The Answer and the Update of South Carolina, or on a podcast, maybe this is your first time listening to one of our podcasts, uh, we welcome you and we remind you that this is not a sales program. We've been talking about annuities the last, uh, except for, Two weeks ago, when uh, John Warren was my guest, we've been talking about annuities. This is my third and last part of uh, my discussion about annuities, but we're not selling annuities. can't sell annuities. Well, I guess we can, in a sense. I mean, i a license, we could do it, and we have some no-load annuities that don't have any commissions and minimal uh, surrender charges that uh, we work with a lot of people when someone has an annuity that is non-qualified, which means it's not inside of an IRA, and when you... Take those contracts and try to do something with them, you try to cancel them or something like that, then they have a taxable event. So anything that might be profit in that account would be taxable the year you do that. So we can do a 1035 exchange to a Another uh, one of our no-load contracts still manage the assets for the client and help them make the investment choices and actually make some of those for them and make adjustments just like we manage anything else. But it's going to be in a, in a no-load annuity for a very very low cost, and so you don't have that drag on the on the return that you have in a typical annuity that charges uh, a lot more money than that. Before I go back to annuities and we we wrap it up for today, I did have an interesting conversation with a long-term client a couple of weeks ago. We had lunch, a couple of us from the office had lunch with uh, with him, and it was uh, interesting to me because this guy's sharp. I mean, he's he is better read or more well-read than most people on financial matters. As a matter of fact, when I first met him, I was teaching a class at his company. And he asked some very good questions that made me feel like, okay, this this particular person is a do it or He's never going to want to become a client of ours because he already knows enough. And uh, lo and behold, he was the only one out of that group that became a client. Uh, and I think part of it was because he knew what he didn't know. He knew he didn't have time to keep up with all that. And I was talking to him about those early years. And we're talking 25 years ago. This person's been a client, and they're just now getting to retirement age. So they've been a client well before they were ready to retire. He told me, his immediate response was, oh, I I hired you for insurance. Oh, okay. So he hired me so that if something were to happen to him, his wife would have somebody he and she both had high confidence in and were comfortable with working with when he's not there to help guide things. Uh I thought that was very interesting. I, I don't know that I've ever heard him actually verbalize that. I know several clients and several uh people when, before they became clients actually told us that, that that's why they came in was because they wanted to make sure if something ever happened to them. Their spouse had somebody that they felt like was, was on their side, was a true fiduciary, and was going to do things on their benefit, and they trusted them and trusted us but it's uh it was interesting with this person who i I feel like could have done much of the financial planning on his own. Um, now the things obviously he would have missed. He was busy doing his own job and didn't really want to do that and was was relying on us to take care of a lot of those things for him. Uh, but I, but it was a a reminder, maybe a stark reminder for me how important it was. It is for you to have somebody that in line to help. And I did a funny story. I reminded him of, um, back a number of years ago. I was, my wife and I were in the lobby of, I think it was Greenville Little Theater waiting for a play to start. And this gentleman that I'd known from the company that I'd taught some of these workshops from had you know, came up to me and we, I had not met his wife. And so we were all introducing our spouses to each other. The four of us together and one of the first things he said to his wife was, uh, this is the guy that had told you to call if something were to ever happen to me. So she, she had never met me. She didn't know me from, from Adam, as they say, but he had said he had told her to call. And I haven't seen him since then. I, I guess he's still alive because she hasn't called or she forgot about that conversation. I don't know. But I, uh, I think it's funny and, and and sad in a way. I mean, you, you, you need to at least have an introduction with somebody. Make sure that your spouse is as comfortable as you are for this person that you told her or him. It can work both ways to contact if something were to happen to you. So anyway, that was a, a little aside. I thought that was an interesting. Human interest story I would pass along to, to all you listeners today. Of course, we're talking about annuities. And over the last several weeks when I've been talking about annuities, I've had a number of listeners uh, contact me uh, with information about their annuities. I They have had questions about their annuities and what to do with them. So we've had some great conversations. Uh, and I ran across a – I got an email, a couple of emails this week that I thought uh, would be interesting for you to keep things, uh, the agents in contact and, and their um, – I wouldn't say they all have a hidden agenda, but there, there's there's an agenda there. And this was in an email that uh, said, attention, so-and-so advisors, you're cordially invited to attend our webinar. Here's the title of the webinar. How to dominate your market through the power of television. We make television easy and affordable. Let us show you how. And so this guy comes on, but he says how to dominate your market, how to create your irresistible um, brand Position yourself as the go-to expert, how to become ultimate authority, attract high net worth, how to attract high net worth prospects. He's, I, I, if I do it through TV, I can do that. Um, and then, of course, budgets for all solution. And, and one of the first things he says is how to create your irresistible rock star brand. Okay, so I guess you're going to be, go on TV and you're going to be a rock star. I don't know. So that I, I think that there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot because I'm still a licensed insurance agent, so I I still get the information from some of these people trying to get me to sell their products, and I see how they go about doing it. I know there's a lot of good agents out there that have your best interest at heart. They're really trying to do the right thing. Some of them are trying to do the right things. They don't really understand even their own product. Uh, I had a, a listener that contacted me this week, earlier this week, that was considering a – that a um, an annuity, and he sent me the proposals. As a matter of fact, this guy's actually a licensed insurance agent, and he uh, he agreed to let me use the information that he sent to me. So this is a fresh proposal. This is current stuff. It's right out there now. It's what people are trying to sell, and we're gonna we're gonna go through some of that information and read some of the things actually from the proposal. And many of the same comments are going to be in the contract itself. Uh, and this is just to help me explain, is it, is it indexed annuity? What we used to call it, equity indexed annuity. They now abbreviated that to just indexed annuity. We have that. So for the last couple of weeks, in case you've missed it, you can go to talkingmoneyradio.com. Talkingmoneyradio.com. This one will be posted sometime later this week i do a little recap of the last couple of weeks that we talked about annuities and they get getting some new stuff that I think you'll find very interesting and hopefully educational and maybe a bit of a warning at the same time. We'll be right back. <music> Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Talking Money. This is Mike Miller. You're listening to Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. I was reminded, uh, I think, the importance of really thinking through your financial decisions. In the last couple of weeks, I've heard an ad on, on this station, and this gentleman's been talking about how much money people realize they need to produce $100,000 worth of income. And he puts out this $2.5 million number, said, you realize you have to have $2.5 million to do this, but I've got a plan. Uh, I've got a five-payment plan. I'm pretty sure it was five-payment. I I can I can show you how in five easy payment plans you can create a hundred thousand dollars worth of income. And of course, my first thought was, why does it take five? I mean, I can tell you how to do it in one payment. I mean, he's what he's doing. He's selling insurance. I think he's got to be selling some kind of life insurance product. Because he's trying to spread that out, and, and usually it's a seven-year payment. He's trying to avoid what they call a MAC (modified endowment contract) on a life insurance to make it a, a more. um advantageous contract for tax purposes is he must be doing something like that for it but to say five payment plan well he doesn't say how much it's going to be uh i mean maybe it's five hundred thousand each payment so then you still got your two and a half million he doesn't say he's just trying to get you in the door and i don't know maybe people really call with that and say wow five payments you know, I, I could put five payments in at twenty-five thousand uh, dollars a a payment. That's hundred twenty-five thousand, and create hundred thousand dollars a year. But it doesn't work that way. So I I don't know. These some of these people get try to get real creative, whether it's a television ad or or some kind of ad where they're talking about these five payment plans, or I'm going to credit your company is going to credit double-digit returns, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, double digit returns from day one, double digits to your account, as if that's a regular interest, as if you have access to it right away, it doesn't happen. So, last couple of weeks when we talked about it, one of the, the list of things that I mentioned that were why people considered buying an annuity. And guarantees was one of the biggest things. So, it was either guaranteed, better than getting a CD, CD rate of return, and unfortunately some people are sold on the idea that it's going to give them a minimum return of zero and I'm going to invest in the stock market and it's going to give me higher than than CD type return I've I've looked several of the listeners that have called that have emailed me and called me the last few weeks and have shown me their rates of return when I've been able to get the initial payment and look at what their current values are I'm still looking at two and two and a half percent this is for 10 11 years. Uh, so I, I'm still not seeing those kind of returns on these contracts that they talk about that you're going to get. I think the expenses are too high, and the companies have the flexibility on changing the rules after you get the contract. And it says real clearly in that contract that they can do that. But guarantees, and I think the, according to freeannuityrates.com, 83% of annuity owners made their purchase to be sure they don't outlive their money. So outliving your money is is a key And people have asked me, and I'll cover this quickly, where do you suggest? If you're you're not going to put it in the annuity, where are you going to put it? But one of the reasons I talk about the annuities first and try to find out what your actual actually bought and what your actual return is is because many people would be surprised that a 3% return may beat your 5%, may beat your 7%. Wow, you mean really? How how does that happen? Well, if you look and see what the contract is and the expenses that are in that contract, Uh, in in a contract, let's say, over 10 years, it earned a 2.5%. Well, back then, 10 years ago, you could certainly buy a a product, a 10-year treasury, a 20-year, 30-year treasury that paid a lot more than that, and you'd lock in and know exactly that's what you're getting. But the annuities now, they're saying, okay, you got zero is your guarantee, and then you may make more, but when are you going to make more money? You're going to make more money when the stock and bond market does well. Well, what was the reason you bought it? You were nervous about the stock and bond market, especially the stock market. You were nervous about that. So ignore when you're looking at these proposals and you see the part that says, all right, here's what you, here's my hypothetical with the index that we're using. Here's what we would have credited to you if the index performs the same way it did the last 15 years. Well, that it doesn't mean anything, and they tell you it doesn't mean anything. That we can't predict future results. So um, my point would be that, and and bottom line from all these annuities, that un, unless you are the kind, and your family situation is such that that when you and your spouse pass, that you don't care if there's any more money left. All you care about is getting the highest income that you can get from a particular block of money. And make sure that after uh, typically twenty years, eighteen to twenty years, it's still going to be there. And you want to make sure that income stays there. Some then some contracts will actually give you a step up for inflation, maybe every five years, but you'll pay extra for that. Uh, if you're that kind, then then these annuities with these guaranteed. Um, monthly income benefit riders or with the ones that have what I call an income bucket where they would say this income bucket is we're going to base your monthly or annual income on that income bucket amount not the account value and you don't care about the account you really truly don't care about the account value at all all you care about is that income bucket and when you and your spouse are both gone assuming you have it set up to have both spouses get it then perhaps that might be a, a better way to go I'm still not convinced that it is and we'll talk about some of that as, as it goes along. But be careful of that. So I think having some of your money and just basic, and right now this is not necessarily a good idea to lock in much of the fixed rates when the 10-year treasury is so low. But when it when it goes back up, and, and I think most people would say, yes, over the next two, three, four years, maybe the interest rates will go back up. When that happens and you lock in something and you say, okay, if I lock in two, two and a half three 3% for some of my money, then I know that's not going to go anywhere. The rest of it, you just put in, in some good quality, well diversified stock and or bond funds. Now bond funds have their own issues because if, when interest rates go up, current bond funds will take some, what of a hit. We don't know how much depends on how fast interest rates go up and how far they go up. Current, the current price of, of current bonds is going to go down some because obviously a new bond is worth more than the old bond because it's paying more. So that means it drops. But the, the bond fund is going to hold that fund. It's not necessarily going to hold it to maturity, but it'll hold that fund. And then as new money comes in, they keep buying the new higher interest rate stuff so that, that eventually it makes up for whatever downturn that they might have had during the period of time when interest rates were going up, keeping in mind that you still get your dividend. The price may go down. If you don't ever look at the price, you may not even know anything changed because you're still getting your dividend. And maybe that dividend is only 3%, all right? but you're going to get a, a dividend that's consistent. It's going to change some, but over time it should go up as interest rates go up and then the value goes back up with it. So, even just buying some kind of a total market bond fund like that Vanguard has and most most fund companies have, not endorsing any particular companies, they just uh, as an example, you just buy a total bond market fund. Uh and I don't think that's the the best way to go necessarily. I think having a well diversified stock fund of some kind, and I'm not talking about the S&P 500. There's some risks built into that that you got to be careful with and we've talked about those in the past, but if you have a fund that's like, like a total market index, but you also total stock market index, but you also have some emerging markets, international, small, more small company, value stocks. Right now, for instance, have have been struggling. So even though you see the market indexes go up, people think, oh, wow, the stock market's overpriced. Well, it depends on where you look. There are certain pockets of it that are not overpriced. Now, when the 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 stocks that are doing most of the run-ups right now, when those five, ten stocks go down, yeah, it might drag down everything with it to a certain extent, but I think the recovery will be quicker with those that are still priced well right now. So giving some combination of that and then having something locked into and maybe even a, a fixed annuity, not, not an indexed annuity, just a regular fixed annuity that probably pays 2%, 3%, whatever it is, but you know you're going to get it. No matter what the market does, you're going to get that. Because if you buy the annuity for the guarantees, because you're concerned about the stock market, then look and see what does the contract pay as my guarantee. All right. So real quickly before we get to this break, some of the negatives for buying annuities. We've I've been hitting at them the last couple of weeks. But you got the administrative fees, you got the surrender charges, uh, and they vary. It can be zero. See some no loads, but that's you're not going to see those. The agents aren't going to sell you those. But typically 8 to 10 years is pretty common, and I'll remind you that's a guaranteed loss. The surrender charge is a guaranteed loss. And you say, well, I'm not planning on, on canceling that contract in 10 years. It's a long-term plan for me. But as I was telling this gentleman that I talked to this week, that's the licensed agent that sent me this material, so well, if you would look at this, the stocks and or bond market the same way and say, okay, if it goes down 10%, which is the same thing as many of these surrender charges are the first year, if it goes down 10%, I'm not planning on selling it because I'm not planning on taking out all my annuity either. I'm going to leave it there. But I knew if I take it out, it's, it's going to be a 10% loss. And, and what I'm going to show you with some of this information is there's so much flexibility from the insurance side of things, insurance company side of things, that if for some reason the contract you buy does not perform as you thought it was, would have or should have, you're still locked into it because you got those surrender charges that are going to keep you from moving it if nothing else it would it would be a smart uh, move to buy more than one type of annuity with more than one different company kind of spread your risk out to different things so you get the administrative fees surrender charges uh, you locking in a specific interest rate or type of contract that is, exp- that is potentially expensive to cancel if it doesn't perform what I just mentioned taxes ordinary income if it's not an IRA, It's, it's IRA is going to be taxed as all ordinary income, but even as, as a annuity that's not in an IRA, the gain is all taxed at ordinary income. No step up basis at death. So no capital gains treatments, no step up basis at death. If annuitized, of course, the annuitized means you exchange the monthly income for the principal that you paid to it. If you die after five years, they may pay, may pay ten years, uh, total, but that's going to be about it. All right. A lot of things to cover here. I maybe get talking too fast because of all the things I want to cover, but we got a bunch more to cover here about annuities. 877 235 9405 is the phone number. You got a comment, question, love to hear from me. 877 235 9405. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's one eight hundred five eight eight seven five two six. 588 7526 Now back to Talking Money. And we're back with Talking Money. We've been talking about annuities for several weeks now. This is the last one. And so I just, um, I'll, I'll want to remind you, if you, if you didn't hear the first two, go to talkingmoneyradio.com and you can pick up that. I, I get a lot of these questions during the week. And so I, I think it's, um, it's great. And with the information I've gotten, as I mentioned before the break, several listeners that have shared with me their annuity information and, and showing, but I, I still see the, the biggest uh, and and I got to remind people this, but I think the the biggest um, uh, mistake, uh, biggest misleading thing that people are looking at, is they see a contract and they see okay this is my account value, and then they have this income bucket. The income bucket is probably the most confusing part of the annuity contract. And it, it makes people buy these contracts when, in actuality, it's just what I call monopoly money. It's just not real money. It's and so people think, uh, as my sister did when she was shown this several years ago, said, "Look, I've got this account. It's going to grow at, you know, seven percent. It's going to grow at six percent. And then my withdrawal rate is five or five and a half percent. So well, that sounds great. I mean, I look at that. I get seven. But you've got to look at it in conjunction with the account bucket." So as I mentioned earlier, it's okay to buy that income bucket as long as you don't care about the account value bucket. Very few people don't care about that account value bucket. So when you have a, an income bucket, they say, okay, now we've grown this by 6% a year, 7% a year. We doubled it in 10 years, which means it earned a little better than 7% per year. Now you're going to start taking the money out. But once you start taking the money out, most contracts freeze it. The amount that doesn't go up, doesn't go down, but it doesn't go up. All right, so we're going to look at that in just a minute with an actual one that we're looking at here. So this is an illustration that I'm looking at that says fixed indexed annuities. This is reading right from the proposal uh, that Doug sent me. Fixed fixed indexed annuities are insurance contracts between an owner and a life insurance company which earn interest based on a fixed interest rate and or changes in an external index or indices. However, the contracts do not own shares in any index, index fund or equity or bond investment. All right, so they they can't be making the investments in these uh, stock, the, the product, the contract can't own stock investments. They're just basing the amount of interest. That's why a person selling annuities does not have to be securities licensed. They're not licensed with FINRA. They don't have to be. Now, some are, but they don't have to be. It's a, you have to be insurance licensed. You don't have to be securities licensed. And you're on a, a whole different compliance uh, area when you're insurance licensed versus security licensed. So you got to understand that. They can say certain things that a registered investment advisor especially cannot say, is not allowed to say. Uh, some other things they point out, let's kind of go through the pages here. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the insurance company. And I won't mention that company's name. There's just one example. Um, matter of fact, this, this agent I'm talking to, Doug, said he's going to get a couple other contracts that he thinks have better features than this one. So we'll be looking forward to, to seeing those as well. So he says uh, this particular annuity is designed to help you prepare for retirement by offering accumulation potential without exposure to the erratic ups and downs of the stock market. It is intended for a person who is focused on retirement income planning while having sufficient cash or other liquid assets for living expenses and other unexpected emergencies, such as medical expenses. A fixed annuity, indexed annuity, is not a registered security or stock market investment and does not directly participate in a stock or equity investments or index, which is why they have to limit their exposure to it and can change that limit whenever they want to. So pay attention to that, that other sentence. It is intended for a person who is focused on retirement income planning while having sufficient cash or other liquid assets for living expenses and other expected emergencies. So i tell telling you right there, this is this is illiquid. You can't get to the money. Don't try to get to the money and understand that. It also includes a market value adjustment. Yeah, so look at your contract and try to figure that one out. The MVA, market value adjustment. So basically it means that your your surrender, the amount that you get out of it may change, be increased or decreased by this MVA which is in in conjunction with How interest rates move. So basically, if interest rates go up, your MVA is going to reduce the amount you get. If interest rates go down, it's going to go the other way around. Well, interest rates are so low that they really can't go down very far now, but they have plenty of room to go up. So the MVA is another adjustment that the insurance company can make, if they, if if, based on the contract, that helps limit the amount of money that they would pay you to make sure that they stay profitable. All right, then definitions and key terms. There's several of them here. One of them says the index cap rate. So they are going to have the account value, not the income bucket, the account value go up or down based on a particular index. And they have different ones. This one has a a proprietary index or one that they use. It's not just the S&P 500. It's one that they they, uh, buy to use for their particular uh, interest rate calculations. It says An initial cap is established when you purchase the contract. So this is the cap. This is how, how much of the index you're going to get. So this cap is a limit that they use to how much they're going to credit. An Initial cap is established when you purchase the contract. For each subsequent, for each subsequent term, we may change the cap, uh, at the beginning of a cap for the term. So that's interesting. Uh, that uh, you can you can they can change it so and, and same thing with the index participation rate so the participation of index growth allowed by your participation rate will be established on the issue date and at the, at the beginning of each term all right so here's what you have is two things that that are used to calculate how much they're going to credit to your account each year based on the performance of the index but they can change it every year so this is where I'm saying you're locked in that the the surrender charge is not going to change. So if for some reason this doesn't perform like you want, then or think it should, or where was implied that it was going to. Then what are you going to do? You can't get out of it because you've got these these huge uh, index uh, limits and the caps that they can change every year. So Angelo says we have a phone call. I see nothing on the screen, so I'm not sure what's happening, but uh, I'm sure he can he can attach us and we'll see. Okay, so welcome to Talking Money. Whoever you are, Usually, I know the at least the first name, but uh, welcome to Talking Money. Hey, Mike, Mike you. from Springboro. My
1: name is Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, I'm going to use this as a for me for a better example or a more simpler example. Okay. Uh, so say I have a CD in the bank, and I'm letting it mature over a five year period. Uh huh. Okay, as long as I don't get that CD out. Between that time, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make any money whatsoever. I'm going to wind up paying, paying, it back and paying more back. So if it matures and then I get interest, say I got uh, twenty thousand and I make uh, eight hundred dollars interest, okay, then I have to turn right around and pay interest on the eight hundred dollars that I made.
0: You mean pay taxes? Is that correct. You mean pay taxes right. on the interest? Right. Yeah, right. the, yeah, you, you, once, uh, once you get the money out of it, then, uh, yeah, you're gonna have, uh, it matures. Matter of fact, you may have to pay taxes on that every year that's credited to it. It's not gonna be deferred each year until it matures, uh, because they're gonna credit interest you each year to that account.
1: Isn't that double taxation?
0: Uh, where's the double taxation?
1: Well, I mean, you can. You figure you'd get the whole the whole amount. You don't have to pay any interest on the interest.
0: You mean taxes on the interest? Right, right. Okay, so well, that's what they call the gain. So, like, if your if your stock investment goes from ten to fifteen dollars a share, you sell it for fifteen dollars, then they're going to say, well, that five dollars is gain that you had. That's income. You're going to pay tax on the income. So you have not paid tax on that yet. So the CD, same way. I put in 20000 I get $1,000 after five years, then that $1,000 is taxable because it's gained. I've never paid tax on that before. So you haven't paid tax on that gain yet, so it wouldn't be tax on tax. You've already paid tax on the $20,000. you are not paying tax on that again. You're paying tax on the earnings of it. that makes sense? Okay, now if you,
1: yeah, okay, so now if you invest in gold, do you have to do the same thing.
0: Well, only when you sell it. So technically, yes. So when you when you buy gold and you pay twelve hundred dollars an ounce and then you sell it for seventeen hundred dollars an ounce, there's supposed to be a gain on that five hundred dollars uh, that you gained. And that that would be a capital gain because that's an asset. So that's not a that's not like a CD uh, that would have ordinary gains. It's going to be a capital gains as long as you keep it for at least a year. You have long-term capital gain treatment on it. Okay. Now you're
1: saying uh, if I sell it make five hundred dollar profit I'll have to pay on the five hundred dollar taxes on the five hundred dollar right. profit?
0: Just the five hundred dollars. Not on the not you're not gonna pay taxes on the original investment that you made, just the gain.
1: Okay.
0: I think a lot um, of those I things didn't... a lot of those things get missed, I think, because the the people that are buying, selling, trading gold, they don't necessarily report things like stocks gets uh, reported or interest from your C D gets reported. Uh, but technically, legally, yes. When you make that gain in that in that um, gold purchase, which people would have done real well lately if they bought it back when it was eleven, twelve hundred dollars $1,200. But they're probably not selling it because the reason they bought it was because they were scared to death of the economy and everything else. But, um, yeah, you would pay tax on that gain.
1: And I guess that goes for silver, too.
0: Yep. Yep, it does. Yep, any kind of hard asset. Yep, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> that's not the answer you want, yeah. but that's the or way this, it is. This,
1: this is where this is where we need to get the, the hands off. I mean, you know, paying taxes on everything. Yeah, man, there's just too many rules and regulations. Yeah,
0: you got that right. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for the call. Have a great weekend. All right, thank you. All right. All right, so uh, back to the definitions and key terms. The market value adjustment that I was talking about, uh, thats the I mentioned that earlier, that that's an adjustment that's made to the surrender value that may increase or decrease the amounts you can receive, so um, from a withdrawal or from uh, the surrender of your contract. It says both of that on this piece of paper. Then it says that the, the last thing is the withdrawal and surrender charges. So it, in this particular case, and it changes for different contracts, but this is the guaranteed loss I keep telling you about. So this one starts at 10% and then goes down essentially a percent every year. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 till, till it's done. So all through those years it goes down further, but this is how they end up paying for the, a lot of it is for the commission for the agent. So they can't pay the commission, the agent a 6% commission and have you turn around a year or two years later and cancel the contract because they've already paid out 6% of the money. So in order to help recover that, they've got to give themselves time. So they're going to have that surrender charge that's in there, and that's the guaranteed loss that's in that account. And whereas if you're invested in the same things the insurance company invested in, like total total bond market index, maybe some stocks in there, but the insurance companies typically invest a lot in, in a fixed income, they may buy some derivatives to help offset years where the stock market did well and they have to credit more to the to the contracts. But most of them that are sold these days have fairly limited upside. So you're going to be capped at four, four and a half percent. The ones that aren't capped that I've seen, they, they use different indexes and the indexes are already designed not to produce as much gain in them because they've got a good mixture of bonds, good diversified portfolio. But I go back to one of my original comments. So if you have, if have the, you're scared of the market. Then that's not what you want to buy. Uh, You want, you're not buying it for whatever they say the the hypotheticals might be. You're buying it for the guarantees. And when you look at the guarantees, essentially they're going to give you your money back. That's it. So why not buy something that's going to at least give you two, three, four percent, whatever interest rates are paying at the time. All right. Well, this gets us way past our break. Let's take this uh, last break real quick and we'll wrap up with some other comments. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor talking money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and in the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the business consulting division can help you define your company's culture, and very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's one 1-800- 800 five eight eight seven five two six. Now back to talking money. All right, I've got about seven minutes here to wrap up some thoughts. So looking at this proposal from this insurance company, I'm looking at a a sheet that says the minimum guaranteed values, and I'm looking at another one that says hypothetical projections. For the GLWB rider details, so that's the, the one that has the um, benefit that is pays you annually based on that rider, not based on the account value. So looking at the guaranteed values, which there again, it's very important to look at a, an annuity with the guaranteed values. Because remember, you're buying it because you're, you're concerned and not comfortable with investing in the stock market. So when they say they're going to invest in something and then the the money you're going to get that's above the guaranteed value is based on the hypotheticals, that's the stock market. So the, the stock market has to do higher than what they say for them to get what they get because they're obviously taking expenses out of it and they have less that they can attribute to and post to your account. So this one has the guaranteed values. It starts at uh, $100,000 contribution. The next year it goes right down to end of the next year it's 98751 seven fifty one. So the fees come out of that account, no interest earnings, and then by age 84 the account value is gone, guaranteed. Now you've got the 155,000 that's in because it grew by nine percent. So it grew by nine percent, and then the, you can start taking out. Uh, this is a joint. Um, I'm looking at a joint one, so it would pay for it. It pay the husband or the wife uh, if either one of them is still living. So 155,000 is where it's capped out. But then, as the illustration shows, once it hits 155,000 after five years, it stays at 155,000. So they're gonna they're gonna pay in this case about seventy six hundred dollars a year for that hundred fifty five thousand dollar payout. All right, but the hundred fifty five thousand never changes. So what you're hopeful for is that the account value will grow up higher. So it's got to grow more than that five plus percent payout and the and the expenses because the expenses you're that you're paying for that benefit pays in this case it's one point oh five percent. So that one point oh five percent is based on the hundred fifty five thousand value which doesn't change. But it's taken out of the account value, which is less. In this case, it's uh, twenty thousand dollars less than the benefit base, and then it keeps on going down from there. So it, in this, and this is not the guaranteed one. This is with the hypothetical pro- projections. So by the time it's ninety, you're ninety-five, it's uh, it's almost down to to zero for uh, and, and, and another one, 20 This goes to twenty-six years. It is down to the the uh the $16,000 by the time you get to 95. But that's the amount. So if I just pick a year, if I go out to, you know, you're age 84 and you died at 84, the 155000 is still there. But if both of you died there, the, the actual account value is $88,684. All right. So that's the amount that any heirs would get from that. And that's assuming the hypothetical market doing pretty well, that the stocks and bonds had to do well to get that amount. If you invested, like I said earlier in the program, you had some stocks and bonds that you were there. You looked at it as a long-term investment. You didn't panic when it went down. You left it there. Uh, it's it's uh, historically going to perform better than what their hypothetical historic returns have done. So if you start it at age 75, this this proposal starts at 75, with a $7,600 payment to you, it's going to take you 20.4 years. One of you is going to have to live for 20.4 years to get your original 155,000 back. Okay. So if you go that that longer than that, of course, that's you're making money. If you go less than that, then you didn't. You get some less amount. And like I said, at age 84, it's 88,000. 88, by the time you're 90, it's 50, 46,000. Then it goes down to 16,000 by 95. That's the amount that's left from your actual account that's going to go to whoever your heirs are. And if it pays on the guaranteed contract, it's a whole lot less than that. So another listener had asked me to come up with, well, what if I invested, starting in 1977, if I invested in just a well-diversified portfolio, and I did that instead of doing the um, accounts that, that um, instead of buying an annuity, I did something different for that instead. So we have if we if you go back that far so I just I didn't I couldn't go back to actually just 1977 so I went to some years um, as far back as some of these investments uh, would go and in this case it was like 82 and 84 that kind of thing and these it was these were some retirement income accounts that are a combination of of um, principal. Uh, a combination of stocks and bonds, and they adjust those as you get older. Um, I can't find the notes. Anyway, the the rate of return for those p- periods of time were around six percent. So you could get six percent of money. You would have on average at least six, probably and sometimes eight percent, depending on what you actually invested in for that period of time. And, and that's going through the the. Uh, time period when uh, 2008, the economic crisis came on, and all that time. So, just investing in a good diversified portfolio made them more than what they would have made on the actual account, and not not monopoly money. It's, this is real money that they that they would have made that they would have earned over that um, over that period of time. So that's where I think it's important. Oh, here it is. So one was. Um, 8.22, 6.39, and one was just a balanced fund. Stocks and bonds was 9.67% uh, since inception, and that goes back to 1970, one of them does. And the one of them goes to 2002, one of 2006. Um, and then the 10-year rate was 8.8, 8.07, and 7.77. That was the 10-year rate for all three of those. Um, so there's there's a way to buy a diversified portfolio and get that kind of return. You just can't panic when it goes down and worried about that. So maybe take part of your money and buy uh, just a regular fixed annuity, not an indexed annuity, just a fixed annuity that you know you're going to get X amount of money per year no matter what and then not worry about what's going to happen uh, after that and get something like an indexed annuity which you really don't know what you're going to get and the guarantees are essentially zero get your get your money back if if that much. All right, any questions send it to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com mike at talkingmoneyradio.com have a have a great week and glad you are with us and we'll talk to you next week with more of talking money